Welcome to the 2021 NFL Draft. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Every year when the draft rolls around, there is a resurgence of energy from fans across the NFL because they believe this will be the year their team will make the right selection that will turn the tide and give their franchise and that fan base the hope they've been missing. We're going to make you a Las Vegas Raider, and uh, we're so fired up, man. Congratulations. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Love it. Can't wait till number 17 and the grand mystery of what unfolds in front of the Raiders and then what the Raiders do at 17. That'll be around. uh, What time do you think, Adam Candy? Adam Candy's here with us at Silver Sevens. What are we looking at for the the Raiders pick? We're looking at 645, 7, 715, 730, 8, 9. What time? All of them because they're going to trade up and and have all of those picks. Now, I (laughs) – what do we have? Five minutes, you know, five-ish minutes on the clock every time. So I think you're probably looking at the Raiders picking six forty-five, seven o'clock. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't want you to do the math. It's it's no, straining. Not, no, no, it's no, straining no, on no, the brain because no, no we come out of the gates here trending at one. Yes, we are on early. Uh, you can hear that if you're listening to the radio. Early start today because we go one to four today, and then uh, some of the best coverage out there nationally is ESPN Las Vegas for. Uh, you know, getting ready for the draft up until the first pick around whatever it is, 5.15, 5.20. So we'll go to national at 4 o'clock, and then we've got our great local coverage. If you're a Raiders hardcore, super, 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 super Raiders fan or follower, we've got our Raiders station, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m., and you can flip over there after Cofield and Company. So here's what's trending. I had a bunch of stuff planned to come out here at 1 o'clock, and later in the hour we're going to go around the division. We're going to talk to a Chargers dude, uh, someone who covers the Broncos as well. Chiefs don't have a first-round pick, so we'll cover the AFC West. I had a couple things planned, but now my head is spinning, and I can only imagine John Gruden trying to concentrate on what's going to happen the next three days, trying to stay focused, right? Candy, that's what we want, a focused John Gruden for the first round and pick number 17, but now he's got a couple of stories that are coming down the pike where I'm, I'm sure he's like, oh, my God. The possibilities. One, did you see? This is a goofy one, but I think I think it'll raise the antennas on John Gruden. There are reports out there that Tim Tebow, former football player, NFL player, turned prospect MLB player, retired baseball player, has reached out to Herb, Urban Meyer, and Jacksonville and may want to try to make the Jaguars as the position he should have been at all the time, a tight end, which is, that's, a, that's fascinating. It's a great topic, but you, but you know John Gruden hears that, and I'm sure it's funny. I was just watching this morning him raving back years ago about Johnny Manziel in the draft when he was an analyst. I can only imagine him hearing about Tim Tebow being a tight end prospect now and going, uh, and then, you know, kind of blanking on what the hell's going on at number 17. 
He was the only analyst who knew this about Johnny Manziel, that he had three names. Johnny Manziel. He go. loved him. He emphasized it. And Tim Tebow is his kind of guy, right? He's oh, a football yeah. player. Yep. He's, a fo- he's a winner. He's a football player. The other thing is the Raiders proved last year with Jason Witten that they are uniquely determined to find ways to keep Foster Moreau <laughs> off the field. And right. so Tim Tebow would be the ideal way to keep Foster Moreau from becoming the true number two tight end of this team. Tebow in the NFL would be a really cool story. Um, but it's kind of a, a side story, a project. You know, what is he, like 31 and a half, 32 years old now. Uh, the big story that's come out the last 90 minutes or so, well, it started uh, earlier in the day yesterday about some Niners offer for Aaron Rodgers at some point. Uh, the insider I saw suggested it, like, it might still be on the table or was offered recently, but the Niners would try to get Aaron Rodgers in some mega deal. Now it's come out from Jay Glazer and Schefter. What are you seeing here that – maybe we've reached a breaking point again with A-Rodj and the Packers, and he wants out. And I'm sure there's people driving around, like, oh, it's another stupid story. I don't know. These are the two preeminent NFL guys, and they're hearing just about the same thing, that Aaron Rodgers is still very pissed off about something. All right, Steve. So as you were going through your rant, I did what I've had to do all day long today. And I went back to Twitter to see what is the latest, what's actually happening right now. And it's changed again, Steve. It's changed again. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, is now laying out some conditions and saying Aaron Rodgers wants to be on the West Coast. Okay. The Packers want him out of the NFC. Okay. The Packers want to let Jordan Love take the reins. Okay. Top candidates would seem to be the Raiders and the Broncos if they're interested. Do you think John Gruden <laughs> would be interested in bringing Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas? Of course. Of course. Wow. It never ends with the Raiders and the quarterback position. And as we've told you a million times, and people always tell us, oh, the Raiders love Carr, love Derek Carr. But they always seem to be involved in these rumors, and I think a lot of people want to throw out their fake news. First of all, no such thing. It comes from somewhere. There's a source somewhere, and the Raiders are constantly mentioned in these potential quarterback derbies. Now, the Watson thing died down because Deshaun Watson's got a mess on his hands. We talked about Rodgers before. Hell, we talked about Brady when the Raiders were first coming here. So we'll follow this throughout the show. I mean, I don't think any – do you think anything's going to happen today? Like, are the Packers – I, it, although it sounds, I was going to say they're going to break today on this. It sounds like there was talk between the Niners and Rodgers. I mean, the report was the Packers turned down a package with the three pick and Jimmy Garoppolo and some other stuff. Packers were like, no. I mean, where there's some smoke, there's some some fire, candy, something. So think about it this way. And by the way, before I even start that, you didn't even mention Russell Wilson. And the uh, you know the fact that he was linked to the Raiders as well, so I, I can feel, I can just feel the hate building, the energy, the negativity in the Carr family circus on the Twitter fingers. They are ready to fire on this one. They are ready to defend their guy. Do I think it happens this weekend? That's what Mike Florio says. And if you're the Packers, why would you Ooh. leak this today? Why would you leak this today right, right. if you didn't want draft picks? Wait, you Florio. You absolutely want uh, first-round draft picks. I'm sorry. You're, say that again. 
So Florio says, source with knowledge of the dynamics says Aaron Rodgers could indeed be traded this weekend. The question is where? And then he adds all the conditions that would seem to point to the Raiders. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I love Derek Carr. I love his family, and I want to see him be the Raiders quarterback for the next eight years. I will back off my excitement. I'm sorry. I was saying let's do it to the story, to Rodgers going somewhere. But not necessarily the Raiders. I would. I don't want to insult anyone. I don't want to make anyone unhappy. Can we do have Im- to respect the wishes of Camp Card. Can you imagine? Yes. Can you just imagine Aaron Rodgers, who felt like Mike McCarthy was in his way, who wasn't getting what he wanted out of Matt Lafleur, when they kicked the damn field goal in the NFC Championship game? No one loves his in close field goals more than John Gruden, and no one loves. <laughs> His offense, with a capital H-I-S, his offense, more than Gruden. I I love the idea of bringing Rodgers here, but part of it is for content. Part of it is just to watch those two guys smash heads against each other about running an offense. I mean, if you were to make a deal with Rodgers, you've been talking about it, right? I mean, you've you've been thinking about this for a while. This is not going to be a a a day-and-a-half process. It just starts today. Of course not. Of course not. And look, you look at the Aaron Rodgers contract, there are three years left on the contract, but let's be honest here. If you're trading for Aaron Rodgers, you're trading for Aaron Rodgers with the idea that you're ripping up the last two years of that deal and giving him a new contract because he's Aaron Rodgers, and if he doesn't like the deal that he's on that only pays him $25 million each of the next two years, then Aaron Rodgers is going to cause hell once again wherever he goes, and then he'll end up just being your problem instead of the Packers' problem. So a new contract unquestionably has to come with this. Hilarious. On draft day, I just saw Adam Hill, who's working the draft for the paper. He just said, uh, I guess with the Jeopardy theme. Oh, very nice. Adam said, I'll take, quote, how to completely take over the news cycle on the biggest day of the offseason for 1,000, comma, Aaron. Good stuff. He's a Jeopardy fan, as are you, as is... Ari. And Ari must be relieved because if uh, Rodgers is traded and gets a five-year deal, Jeopardy is way off. So Everyone's needs get satisfied. Ours do because we have a good story to talk about. Maybe Rodgers does, and he gets the hell out of Green Bay because he doesn't seem happy there. And uh, Jeopardy fans won't get to see Aaron Rodgers. So Good stuff to open the show, Candy. Very good stuff. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll reset things. We'll get to what you think may happen with the Raiders. At number 17, are they going to take best available at that spot, or do you have to fill a need, and no matter who is there, you fill that need? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Teddy Bridgewater is good. Yes. If you took Teddy Bridgewater and you put him on the San Francisco 49ers, who I think, when fully healthy, is a Super Bowl contending team, Teddy Bridgewater would be a Super Bowl quarterback. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. I could come out. And say that Keyshawn Johnson is a moron based on other opinions I've heard, but I won't do that because that's kind of a loaded take. There's a lot of nuance to what Keyshawn Johnson was just saying, we're getting ready for the draft, and now there's a bunch, a rash of crap going on around the National Football League with 
Aaron Rodgers. Maybe the S has hit the fan in Green Bay. More rumors that they're at a breaking point. So we'll get into some talk out there from Pro Football Talk. This started with Schefter and Glazer, who, I mean, they're as dialed in as anyone. He got organization people talking to him, and I'm sure Rodgers people talking to both of them. But it all started with a rumor early this morning, late last night, that the Niners actually were talking to the Packers in recent days and had an offer on the table. So maybe there's something there. Maybe that I, I thought it was just, hey, it's a you know last-ditch effort by the Niners to really upgrade at quarterback and, hey, what do we do with Jimmy G? We're going to trade him. So what's the best deal we can get? And the rumor was uh, Jimmy G and a third, well, not a third-round pick, the number three pick and a bunch of other stuff to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. But now we got this story that uh, both Schefter and Glazer are backing up saying, yeah, they got real problems. Rodgers wants the hell out. And uh, Florio, pro football talk, he's very connected as well, very dialed in, says it may happen before the draft, during the draft. We only got a couple hours here. But sometime this weekend, you may have swapping players, uh, you know, future draft picks, maybe draft picks that was done today, draft picks for Friday and Saturday, uh, draft picks for the future. So we'll follow that one. That one's insane. Now, on what Keyshawn was saying, that was a big news of yesterday. And we're going to talk to Nate Crackman from Altitude Sports Radio in about 25 minutes about the reaction in Denver to getting Teddy Bridgewater. So Keyshawn said Bridgewater's a good quarterback. Um, if Bridgewater were in San Francisco, he'd be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So it's interesting. Because the reaction, I think, in Denver is, yeah, he's good, but he ain't great, and he's slightly better than Drew Locke. And there is going to be a battle for the job between Locke and Bridgewater. When you say he can go to the Niners and be a Super Bowl quarterback, maybe. Well, because little Shanny, Kyle Shanahan, and the offense he runs is awesome and way beyond anything that the Broncos do. And Shanahan's a much better head coach and offensive mind, Fangio's a defensive guy, than what the Broncos have. So... There's a bunch of stuff in that statement that Bridgewater could be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He can't be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback with Vic Fangio as his head coach and playing for the Broncos. Now, can they be a playoff team? I probably, in the analysis I've seen so far, I'm probably a little higher on what Bridgewater can do for the Broncos than most out there. All right, so we got the Rodgers story developing. We've got the Raiders now up at 17. We've been talking about this pick forever. And we know the great challenge today is for the Raiders, do you grab the best player available or do you pigeonhole yourself as they've, as they've seemed to have done in these recent drafts where when they have a need and they have a first-round pick or first-round picks, they fill that need. And that doesn't – I mean, last year they had their pick of wide receivers. They took Ruggs. I don't think Henry Ruggs is ever going to be good as Jefferson – in Minnesota. It might be early to say that, but I don't think he will be. Can he be a good receiver? Yes. Was he a good receiver last year? He just he didn't get enough targets. He was not an impact guy. He was a disappointment. We've seen in the past when they needed a running back, they got Josh Jacobs. When they needed a defensive end, they really picked more of a hybrid defensive tackle, defensive end, and Clee Furl, who a lot of people thought was more in the 15 to 35 range. They took him at four, but they were filling a need. When they needed a strong safety, they took Johnny Abram, and it looks like he's more of a linebacker than a strong safety. But you see they've had a history of making a run at 
the position of need. So the need position in this draft is a right tackle. They need a free safety. And the argument could be made that the tackle class is deep enough that you can wait to get your starting right tackle. If it's the fifth tackle on the board, you know, who's remaining, do you take him at 17? Are you going to take a safety at 17? That seems shaky. So the great test for the Raiders today is to see what unfolds in front of them. Maybe a coveted guy slides down. Maybe it's Micah Parsons. And if Parsons is up there and they still take that fifth tackle who's going to play on the right side, that'll be a little bit weird. But there's also the other conditions of Micah Parsons slipping because of character issues. Let's get into all this and start bouncing around the division. Adam Candy's going to be with us. We're here at Silver Sevens. We got Rich Ornberger coming up out of San Diego. They still cover the Chargers. And we're going to talk to uh, Nate out of Denver. We'll find out what the other teams, and both of them are ahead of the Raiders in the order of the draft. The Broncos are up at 9, and the Chargers are up at 13, and we'll get a the skinny on what's going to happen in these other AFC West cities. With 77 cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. So we got you covered on the NFL draft across the board here on Lotus Broadcasting here on ESPN Las Vegas. We're going to look at the Raiders. We're going to look at the division. We're going to look at the national scene as well. we got some crazy rumors out there about Aaron Rodgers. Over on our dedicated Raiders station, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, they're going to have mostly Raiders covers leading in. Vinny is now on. He's moved the show back one to three. Uh, Coming up, three to five, Lincoln Kennedy. Yeah, the great Lincoln Kennedy is on with JT the Brick. Uh, That'll be up until the draft broadcast, and they're going to come back on at 9 o'clock and do a review of everything that happened in the draft, especially with the Raiders. And I'm sure they're going to talk to Mike Mayock and the player who gets drafted at number 17 by the Raiders. All right, let's get – that's out of the way. Important stuff. Let's go down to Southern California. I'm not even sure how to intro this anymore because, like, I feel like everyone in San Diego hates the Chargers, but they still cover the Chargers. And this guy played the NFL. Come on. You know, he's he's interested. They're still covering him. Rich Orenberger's with us. Rich, how you doing? It's uh, Adam Candy and Steve Cofield in Vegas. Good to be on with you guys. I'm doing really well. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. While there is, you know, a palpable hatred for the Chargers <laughs> in Southern California in general because San Diego's upset they left and L.A.'s not sure why they're there, <laughs> we still cover them because there's yeah. a lot of fans. And whether they're in the closet or they're out and proud, uh, they're, they're a team of interest still in San Diego. All right. We're going to get to the draft stuff, but – Anyone who listens to this show knows the most important thing in my life is eating. Um, I know you're a big fella. You've had the weight loss. But I I will tell you, we actually ran the audio of your Instagram video about two months ago. (laughs) Dude, I don't think we have access to the Meat Mountain here. I don't think we have it. Oh, no. And you're one of the lucky individuals. You did a whole breakdown of this thing. And by, by the way, you did it while you're trying to lose weight. What an incredible feat. You climbed the mountain. I climbed the mountain, and summiting that uh, that was quite an undertaking. i got to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll do a cheat meal usually once every two weeks, you know, while I'm trying to, you know, keep my weight down and, and do a lot of exercising and, and really light on the calories for the most part. You got you just – you can't live like that. You know, you got to live every once in a while. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I – I, I've decided to start sharing those experiences with people and take them a little bit behind the scenes, not only on, on how I uh, 
how I handle dieting, but also on, on some of these fast food joints that have these secret menus. And it's been a fun exploration. You could check out some of the other fast food reviews on uh, at Rich Ornberger on TikTok, on Instagram, at Ornberger on Twitter. It's a little more difficult to find it on Twitter because my feed's filled with all sorts of sports stuff, too. It's a little easier on, on the TikTok and the Instagram. But, yeah, I appreciate you guys playing it. It was a labor of love. It was a labor of love. My uh, my partner used to be uh, quite zoptic. He's a skinny guy now. Uh, that's the goal for the rest of us on Cofield and Company. What are you down to, Rich? Right now, I'm in the 240s. My aiming point is to be at 230 by June 1st. And it feels like, even though I'm pounds away, it feels like I'm miles away. It's just, yeah. you know how there's just those weights that you battle to break through. We'll, we'll figure it out, though. I, I got to get there. You know, it's funny. I don't battle to break through the weights above where I am. I, 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 cr- I crush those. I crush, I, I knock those hurdles <laughs> right. over very, very easily. <laughs> All right, well, let's get in. Let's get into what the Chargers are going to do. I think the Chargers are in a great position here. Um, you tell me, is the number one need offensive line? And if so, I mean, this is a pretty good offensive line class. So there's going to be a bunch of guys after Panay Sewell who are going to be around. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is uh, the, the key to their success into the future. The Chargers, and it's odd, well, it's not odd. It actually makes plenty of sense that Tom Telesco comes from Indianapolis and he watched how they built that team. But they got Andrew Luck first, and then they sort of reverse engineered it. They weren't a very good team. They got Andrew Luck. All of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, the Colts have a really great quarterback talent. It's time to build around him. And they, they did it the right way, you know, drafting – high-prized offensive linemen throughout the years. And I, I think initially that's what Tom Telesco wanted to do in, um, in, in, with the Chargers. And he tried to do it back in 2013 with D.J. Fluker, who just never panned out. And then I think he got a little gun-shy as, as far as going after first-round talent at the offensive line position. And he's missed on a lot of them. You know, second-rounders, third-rounders. You know, he, he really hasn't drafted well on the offensive line. So if they do go after a tackle, this is going to be one of those, those situations where they, they really they have to get it right this time because Herbert's a special talent. Now, Phillip Rivers was too. You know, I'm not throwing any shade at Phillip Rivers, but he was getting long in the tooth, and Herbert's got a lot of time left in this league if you protect him. So if they, if they, can, if they can trade up and sneak away with, you know, Sewell or, or one of these top-ranked offensive tackles, or if they can get great value at where they're picking at 13, that is that is a must position for them. And they're kind of in a weird little middle ground there because most of the projections that I see have Sewell and Slater going above their pick, but then I don't see a lot of talk of the next group going till probably 16, 17, 18. So... Do you think that they would be best served to try to trade up a few picks and get one of those guys? Where do you see the gap, or where do you see the tiers, I should say, when it comes to the offensive linemen projected to go in the first round? You know, I, I see this a little bit differently than, than a lot of people who are evaluating the talent coming out of college football this year. Because I, I understand Sewell and Slater, they're, they're right up there at the top, and deservedly so. They're very talented guys. But uh, I feel like I feel like people are sleeping on Christensen out of BYU, and I realize he didn't he didn't play against great talent this past season because every single one of the Pac-12 games were canceled for BYU early in the year, and 
they were kind of just scrounging and scrapping to get some guys on, uh, get some teams on the schedule. But he's a good technician. He's got really, really nice footwork. He never gets panicked. You know, he, he's an athlete. You know, he's one of those giant athletes. He's six foot six, 300 pounds, so a little undersized, but he could grow. They certainly could pack some weight on him, and he's got the feet, right? That's the most important part, part is if you have good form, good footwork, good feet, it really does translate at the next level, which has become <clears throat> a passing league. Uh, I like Eichenberg out of uh, Notre Dame. A lot of people aren't talking about him, but another guy who's just a big, sturdy-framed, athletic guy. He's a pretty good bender. You know, he, he struggles a little bit shooting his hands. I mean, I don't want to get too technical as far as offensive line talk, but, you know, even though he's such he's a tree, I mean, he's a big, tall guy, but he can stay low in his pass sets. He can stay low when he's run blocking. So there are a couple of really sneaky good tackles that nobody's talking about that you could grab good value, even even at where they're selecting in, in the first round. Former NFL lineman and current sports radio host Rich Ornberger joining us here on Cofield and Company talking NFL draft. And, and Rich, you're not going to get too technical for me. Cofield almost didn't hire me for this job because he said I wasn't a good enough bender. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah it's very important in radio to stay low yeah exactly like you got to make sure i do it with my voice i try to keep my bass low and that's the best i can there do for uh, for steve so and, and you know as we as we evaluate the chargers and their situation with building around justin herbert i'm curious from your perspective because i've read some reports about herbert asking the front office to go get Panay Sewell, which I'm sure, you know, uh, you want to go get a guy that you're comfortable with as well as a guy with that kind of talent. How much of it with a quarterback is about that comfort level that you build with a lineman versus what we were just talking about with the really technical stuff like the hands, like the feet? I know you have to have, you know, the skills to do the job, but how much of it is the quarterback also just developing that comfort level in knowing what you're going to do with a certain guy? It is, uh, it's extremely important to feel comfortable with the guys who are protecting you up front and also communication. And, and you know, a lot of times that communication is more between the center uh, and the quarterback. But, yeah, look, that, knowing, knowing what he knows about Panay Sewell, right, he, he probably understands him to be a bright guy or, or somebody who he has this kismet with that he, he wants to continue into the NFL. I mean, we're seeing re- requests like that or conversations like that across the league. You know, the potentiality of the Bengals taking Jamar Chase, uh, which, which would aid Joe Burrow, who, you know, the last time Jamar Chase caught a ball in college football was from Joe Burrow at LSU. You know, there's a lot of these situations floating around there. I mean, Tua Tungavailoa, either of the two receivers out of, out of uh, Alabama, I'm sure he would love to have one of those two guys because there's already a built-in familiarity. So it is important. It's important on the offensive line. It's definitely important in the passing game with the, the guys who you're, you're going to be throwing to. There's no question about it. And the more familiarity you have, I mean, it's like any other work experience. I mean, if you walk into a strange place and you're starting a new job, it's nice to have a couple of coworkers come with you so that you don't feel stranded or isolated. Now, he's got a year in the system, so I don't think that's going to be the case for Justin Herbert in year two. But there's no question about it. It's nice to have guys, familiar faces around you. It builds up your confidence. It makes you more comfortable. 
and maybe it, it helps you play better. Former uh, Patriot, Cardinal, Charger, Rich Ornberger, fourth-round pick in, what, 2009. Uh, tell us what it's like for the player. And, you know, you weren't a first-round pick, so it's a little bit different. But, I mean, you're hey, the fourth-round thing is unique because I'm sure at some point in the draft, you know, it starts to get to the fourth and the fifth, and then you're like, all right, I want to go somewhere. I want to get drafted. Well, what was it like for you in 2009? Well, I didn't see it coming. I, I oh, honestly really? didn't. I didn't. I didn't get invited to the combine. Yeah, wow. I, I thought that I was going to be one of these undrafted guys getting a phone call you know, late in the draft, like, hey, we might pick you, but we have, we're also interested in signing you as soon as this thing wraps up. So, you know, be near your phone, something like that. You know, my agent was actually the one who really sort of put in my head, like, hey, you know, don't get your expectations too high here. I mean, there's been some buzz, and we've gotten a lot of contact and phone calls, but I don't want you, you know, living and dying with every single selection here. Just try to enjoy it as best you can, and we're going to have answers one way or the other by – by the end of the day of day two. And so I was like, well, that's great, you know, because that means I'm playing in the NFL, and that was my goal. So I'm happy with whatever happened. And I'll be damned if that phone didn't ring in the middle of the fourth round, and I almost missed it, man. I was out hitting balls at the driving range. <laughs> I, I, I really had – I'm not kidding. I had no yeah. expectations to be drafted. So wow. I, was, I was shocked. The phone rings. It's an area code I don't recognize. And I, I walked to the front hallway of our house. And back in the living room, my family goes absolutely nuts. And I realized, oh, my goodness, they must have just played my selection on the television. And I'm talking to Belichick, and I'm talking to Robert Kraft, and I'm sort of skeptical. Like, I'm trying to figure out if I'm being pranked, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But uh, I come back into a living room full of all the people who I love. My wife was there, my my parents, my brother, some of my closest friends, and everybody's in tears, and we just partied the night away. It was, was, I mean, next to the birth of my children and marrying the woman of my dreams, getting drafted to NFL was the happiest day of my life. Very cool. Very cool. Well, when uh, you get into the NFL and then you're, you know, a big time player and you're at, you know, an all timer like Aaron Rodgers, you know, you're not always happy, I guess. Uh, are you seeing the rumors today that Rodgers p- has potentially reached a breaking point? This is according to Glazer and Florio and Schefter that he's reached a breaking point and this thing may be as bad. Um, well, it could be bad enough where the Packers are like, hey, we got to move him. Rodgers wants to move. Could you see Aaron Rodgers being moved this weekend? Oh, absolutely. And, oh. and, and frankly, it's because. Green Bay overplayed their hand with him. You know, when you have a special talent at quarterback, you need to keep him happy. I mean, when, when you think about, I mean, try, off the top of your head, try to name the Packers general manager. You can't. You know Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? Like Matt LaFleur. I mean, we only know his name because Aaron Rodgers has turned him into a winning coach. If, if Matt LaFleur was coaching Jameis Winston with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, would we be talking about him? No. You know, I, I mean, I, I think these owners give these coaches and these general managers way more credit than they deserve. These brands are built around great quarterbacks, and these owners and these coaches and these general managers sometimes get careless with these relationships. I mean, how dare they draft Jordan Love if they're still going to be committed to Aaron Rodgers? They should have gotten him a receiver, and had they, maybe they would have won a Super Bowl because all those receivers he had, MVS and... And, uh, oh, the kid out of Fresno State, I always blank on his name. Devontae Adams. Tre- Thank you, Adams. I mean, tremendous players, but they were off the field with injuries at times this season. They overplayed their hand with Aaron Rodgers, and 
unfortunately, you reap what you sow. I, I, I think, I think he's serious, and I, I think that he sees an opportunity, especially around draft time, to maybe force a trade. I'm sure there's going to be a team out there somewhere, quarterback needy, who would be very willing to divest some of their picks and draft capital for a quarterback even if it is only for a couple of years to roll the dice and see if they can't win a championship. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get fans too excited, but Derek Carr is a really talented quarterback, but can mm-hmm. you imagine what Aaron Rodgers could do in the silver and black? Yep. Well, we've been talking about it, and I'm sure Gruden is uh, his head spinning right now. He's supposed to be getting ready to make the 17th pick, but I wonder if they would take you know, the 17th pick in this draft, a couple of future first. I don't know if Carr would go in the deal. You'd probably spin off Carr somewhere else so Love can play. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping, the you know, I like Derek Carr, but I hope the Raiders get aggressive. If Aaron Rodgers is available, you got to go grab him. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to be thinking that way. It's going to be really interesting to see where the storyline goes, especially if they don't move off of Aaron and they try to make him happy, and he he still wants out after the draft. They they may w- miss a window where they could get, you know, a, a tremendous haul for Aaron Rodgers, and then who knows, who knows how uh, how crazy this gets, you know, or how bad this relationship is in Green Bay. But there's a lot of indication that he wants out, and so I wouldn't call his bluff if I were a betting man. Rich, really appreciate it. I know you got your show coming up, so. Uh... Have fun with that. What do you, in the end, what do you think the Chargers are going to do? I, I, I think it's either going to be offensive tackle or potentially if, if they get a great value player, like at, you know, tight end, if somehow Pitts all the, falls all the way to 13 or, you know, uh, you know, a corner, you know, somebody on the back end of the defense who could really help them, like Sertain available, maybe, maybe you, could, you could squint and see them going tight end or corner. But, but I really do think they got to protect Herbert because they got a great one there at quarterback. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Rich Ornberger. He scaled the meat mountain, uh, mountain um, an idol of mine, an idol of mine. And uh, somehow he's going to pass me in weight, but going the other way. But he's like 6'4", Candy. Ships passing in the night, Cofield. That's yes. how it works. <laughs> Uh, sadly, the, the one that's heavier, that's going to be heavier, is sinking. Is sinking slowly. Uh, what do you think the Chargers should do at 13? If you're going to build this franchise around Justin Herbert and you truly believe that there is a tackle in there who is going to be someone you can stick in front of him for 10 years, then you do it. And Rich made a great point. Maybe it's not all about Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater for them. One of those two guys, likely Slater, probably will be there around 9 or 10, and I'll be really curious if that's the case if the Chargers decide to package up, let's say maybe next year's second and a third this year to move up a couple of picks and go get him and just say, hey, you know what? This is Justin Herbert's franchise, and we need to do everything we can to keep him upright. So that was Rich Hornberger, extra 1360 in San Diego on the Chargers. Up next, we go up north to Denver, Altitude Sports Radio. Nate Kreckman will give us the reaction to Teddy Bridgewater, if that means that the Broncos at 9 are out of the quarterback mix. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. 
Cofield and Company is live at the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Silver 7's is draft headquarters for Cofield and Company on this Thursday. Let's continue to bounce around the AFC West. Big deal yesterday, Teddy Bridgewater sent from Carolina to the Denver Broncos. Nate Crackman covers the Denver scene on Altitude Sports Radio. All right, Nate, give us your take on the Bridgewater deal. Did they just get a bang-up starter to replace Drew Locke or just add another guy who's more stable to the quarterback room? Yeah, the Broncos traded for a quarterback, and now they still need a quarterback. Uh, that was what happened yesterday. They they bring Teddy Bridgewater in who, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's fine. He's fine. He's just another in a long line of mediocre to average quarterbacks that has come here through Denver. The interesting thing about Teddy Bridgewater is what does this do to set up the Broncos in the draft tonight? Is the purpose here to have a Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater quarterback competition? Um, or is the point here draft Trey Lance or Justin Fields, whomever falls to number nine, Bridgewater is the perfect bridge slash veteran mentor to lead that group. And then you trade Drew Locke. That, that's what remains to be seen. I think the biggest thing it does is it sort of opens the Broncos board up a little bit. And it does not force them into having to overpay to move up, whether that's Atlanta at four, whether that's Miami at six, Detroit at seven, whatever the pick is. George Payton gets the kind of the luxury of of sitting back and waiting to see who should fall to him at number nine. Is Locke Bridgewater a 50-50 battle? Yes, I believe so. Um, The Broncos, especially since George Payton has taken over as the GM and has replaced John Elway, the Broncos have not been all that effusive in their praise or endorsement of Drew Locke in any way. In fact, last week when George Payton talked to the media, uh, he wouldn't even commit to starting Drew Locke in week one. That is how disappointing he was a season ago when he was the 32nd rated quarterback in the entire NFL. They need somebody that isn't going to kill them with mistakes, that's going to allow Vic Fangio's defense, which is pretty well constructed, plus Fangio, um, not much of a head coach, but he is maybe the best defensive coach in the game today. If Fangio can get his defense to sing, you have a quarterback that doesn't kill you with mistakes, take advantage of really good, young, skill position talent here in Denver. The Broncos think there is a recipe there for them to be able to win Maybe win nine or ten games and get themselves back into the playoffs because it's been a while. Broncos are at nine tonight in the NFL draft, and uh, they got a few more quarterback answers by trading for Teddy Bridgewater yesterday. Would there have been any benefit to just waiting to announce this and, and play the game a little more effectively? Not, I, I don't think necessarily because um, going to get Teddy Bridgewater was almost like a no downside move for the Broncos. It, um, you know, they, they only gave up a sixth rounder, number 191 overall. And this draft is very thin in the back couple of rounds, as, as you know. So it's like you might not even get an NFL player at that stage of the draft. So what do you care about that? Plus, Carolina's going to pay $7 million, um on his salary. I think the Broncos will pay roughly four and a half for Teddy Bridgewater this upcoming season. So there is almost no downside to this move for the Broncos. You go and get yourself a nice, safe, competent option with a great reputation, good teammate, good locker room guy, good quarterback room guy, all those kind of things. And if you draft a quarterback tonight, Fields or Lance or whomever falls to them at number nine, 
then you can just trade Drew Locke probably for a future 2022 pick and, um, and, and you move on. But not, not really any downside to this move. This one was just kind of a no-brainer that, quite frankly, Steve, they probably, they probably could have done this a month ago if they wanted to. And what I meant by the question was if they had waited to announce the Bridgewater deal until after the pick tonight, uh, they could have played the draft game a little bit better in terms of duping someone to move up. If they don't want a quarterback – and they think they can get the same whoever, cornerback, offensive lineman, 10 picks later. I wonder if that, you know, the, the, the mystery shroud about, hey, maybe they're going to take the quarterback. We got to jump up there, you know, ahead of the Broncos. Or the Broncos have some leverage here, so maybe they're going to trade back. Hey, you want to jump in front of us? We'll move back. I wonder if that would have benefited them. Well, they've really spewed out the narrative of this does not preclude us from drafting a quarterback. Which, which is another problem. Which is another deal. Like, you don't, don't say that. Right, like right. make well, it seem, make it, it seem like, make it seem like you're not interested in one of the quarterbacks. Then, right, it, it could be a massive smokescreen, though. That it could be with the the idea of, hey, New England back at 15 or football team back at 19, whomever it is. Why don't, why don't you give up a billion draft picks, all the capital in the world, go all the way up to Atlanta at number four, screw yourself out of you know two future firsts after this year, and you could want to do that. That might be the game of chess that George Payton is playing right here. Or the game of chess that he could be playing is just, uh, yeah, I'm not out on quarterbacks. The entire board is still open to me. Nate Crackman, Altitude Sports Radio in Denver, talking about Denver's plan in the draft, the buzz around uh, Denver when it comes to the quarterback position. What do most of the fans want? Do they want the glamour position? they want the young quarterback? Do they want more help on defense? they want uh, a bolstered offensive line? Like our nation, Steve, Broncos country divided, okay? <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, there is a, a portion of the fan base that, believe it or not, still thinks that Drew Locke is going to morph into some Pro Bowl quarterback here in Denver. That the arm talent is just too much. He just needs some maturity, some game experience, um, fix some of his mistakes, and that this guy can still play. Very little that has come out of the Broncos facility would suggest that this offseason, but there is that belief, right? And it, it's. You know, think of the the throw that he made to Judy in Week 17 against the Raiders. Okay, that that's the kind of play that you look back on and you go, oh, all right, maybe Locke can do this. But then, you know, mix in brain dead mistakes constantly that he does. So there's that faction of the fan base. There's the other faction of the fan base that is just this guy stinks. Uh, this guy was too dumb to follow COVID protocols, so they had to start a you know practice squad wide receiver and quarterback against the Saints and get you know absolutely embarrassed. Plus, this guy throws too many interceptions. He's not a good player. He's not a good leader. Get him the hell out of here. Then that would be the the Justin Fields and Trey Lance thing. Um, or there is the portion of the fan base that just says screw it, keep them both, play Teddy Bridgewater, or start locked until he screws up and play Bridgewater. Go and draft Micah Parsons, load up Vic Fangio's defense, and go and kick butt. But there is no consensus in this fan base right now. Denver Broncos drafting at nine. We're again ready for the draft. So we're live here at Silver Sevens. Nate Kreckman, Denver sports expert, is on the horn with us. Uh, 40 and 71 picks. They, I assume they're going to draft for some need. What else do they need after they get whatever they get at nine? Uh, they're going to need help in the secondary. Um, they have a good group of corners at the moment. 
But Bryce Callahan's on the last year of his deal. They signed Kyle Fuller, which was a really good move, but he's only on a one-year deal. Um, so beyond this upcoming season, Ronald Darby is the only competent cornerback that they have under contract. So they're going to have to draft a corner, and there's some good options there at number 40, um, including Stokes out of Georgia, who can absolutely fly a little bit raw. But maybe this would be a good situation, draft him into Denver. He doesn't really have to see the field all that much this year. Um, they're going to need another tackle. Right now, Jawan James is the right tackle of the future, but uh, you know he, he's he opted out last season. Uh, he's barely played in a Broncos uniform, so they're going to have to upgrade at that spot. They're going to be drafting a tackle, and I think that'll probably happen in the middle rounds. If not, if they just take best player available, they could take Rayshon Slater. Um, in the first round tonight, that that would not shock me. Or Penny Sewell if he fell, or something like that. But corner and tackle are absolutely must-haves for this team. Um, I think they'll come out of this draft. They'll they they, they will they will draft defensive line help uh, because you always need those dudes. They'll draft a running back somewhere in there. Philip Lindsay left. They brought in Mike Boone as more of a special teams guy. That's kind of when you're looking at the full menu of needs for this team. Over-under win total is 7.5. I didn't see it budge with Bridgewater. Uh, I think he's a slight improvement. Win a couple of more close games. Uh, all of a sudden, you're you're near 7.5. They only won five last year. You want to go over now with Bridgewater on the 7.5? Um, yeah, they could be an 8-9 team. I'm still trying to adjust to this 17-game thing and redo the math in my head. But they could be an 8-9 team. You get a couple of things to fall your way. 9-8, and eight, but uh, Denver still looks like they're going to be just kind of mediocre right now. Really, really good defense. They're going to have a very good defense if everybody stays healthy. Offensively, uh, still very much a work in progress, even with all the very good young skill position talent. All right, Nate. Great job. Enjoy the draft tonight. I uh, hope uh, at least a story comes out of the first selection. That's always what we look for. Uh, that's all I care about. Thanks, Steve. Good job there by Nate Crackman. It's giveaway time here on Cofield and Company. 364-1100, caller 11-364-1100. If you follow gaming, you know that MLB The Show is a big deal because now it's on Xbox. It's out. We've got copies of it. Caller 11 gets it. 364-1100, MLB The Show 21. You can create your dream team and Diamond Dynasty. You can play with your favorite legends, flashbacks, and then mix them in with the current day players all on your team. Super fun, hardcore, and casual baseball gamers can enjoy it. It's MLB The Show 21. Grab your copy right now on the phones or buy it on your own. But to get it with us, 364-1100, caller 11, MLB The Show 21. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.